Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of EdTech Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. I'm glad you found us. With me in conversation today is Rob Waldron. He's the CEO of Curriculum Associates. Rob joined the company in 2008, bringing leadership experience from both the for-profit and nonprofit education worlds. He runs the company with a long-term focus, upholding the founding mission to improve classrooms everywhere. Under his leadership, revenues have increased more than 11-fold, making Curriculum Associates one of the nation's fastest growing K-12 education publishing companies. In this episode, I asked Rob about how the company has dealt uh, with the issues involving the pandemic, as well as uh, some of the data that they've collected of their students uh, and how they deal with what I call COVID loss. He calls it something else. Uh, click through and enjoy the conversation and find out what that is. Hey, Rob, thanks so much for joining me again. You're one of my few return guests. Uh, uh, Kevin, to good podcast. to be here. Thanks. Thanks for and having me. I think it was last fall. I think it was around the October timeframe and Curriculum Associates. Uh, you were one of the first companies to have some actual data uh, that we could look at when it came to What's the phrase you want to use? COVID loss, COVID learning loss. We, we call it unfinished learning, uh, just so people aren't always in desperation. But I think that's the way to look at it, unfinished learning, so that we we can create action to figure out what to do. Yeah. All right. I like that phrase better. I will steal that. That's good. Oh, okay. Unfinished learning. Uh, so, you know, here we are. Uh, it's it's the end of May. Um, thankfully, we, looking back on that conversation, we there's a lot more positivity in the air with vaccines. Uh, people talking about back to school being relatively normal, as normal as we, we, we could hope during a time of pandemic. Um, talk a little bit about how your last seven months have been, uh, you know, since we've spoken. Um, just, you know, just kind of from an operation standpoint at, at first, and then we can kind of dive in into to the mission of learning. I mean, uh, how sure. is day to day? I mean, I, I still have trouble getting to and from the supermarket without forgetting my mask. So I can't imagine right. running a, a, a company under these conditions, but how has it been? Well, you know, I think it's it's been a struggle for all of us, but I, I think the thing we ought to think about is the struggle that teachers and administrators and students had to go through. So we, you know, we're, we're gonna be fine. Yeah, uh, we, we did have fatigue in our company and stress and mental health and like every company had those things, but I think all of us need to be thinking about the more difficult set of tasks that uh that were before educators right where yeah, absolutely you know I, I was on a uh, with some educators uh, just the other day and you know the woman was in her particulars in mississippi and and this teacher was describing her world which is the way her school worked is that she they started to bring some kids in in january in her community and so she had 10 uh, first graders before her and 12 first graders online at the same time Right. So, I mean, it's one thing to have every kid on Zoom and figure out how to motivate them. Yeah. It's one thing to have all the, you know, chaos and energy and excitement of 22 kids in the classroom. Yeah. When you have both, I just, I mean, my heart goes out. So how, how do you, uh, yeah, how do you deal yeah. with that? And so, did she have a, did she have a flat screen? Uh, one thing that I've, I've been hearing from some of the pro AV people is they're rethinking the classrooms that they're going to be a hybrid setup that it's important to have, a display set up to where the other students who are in class can see the kids, yeah. you know, kind of like when you watch an NBA game now, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. You see the fans. Yeah. So yeah. the answer was no. I mean, you no, know, that, uh, a lot of, and this is a community that is under-resourced in, in the city and, um, 
uh, not, not happening. Yeah, yeah. Not happening. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's, it's, it's very, very true. And, um, you know, I, I want to focus on the future and we talk about things going back to normal. Um, a lot of people would say that whatever that normal was before the pandemic was not uh, that great to begin with. And there were a lot of issues that needed to be addressed anyway. Right. That's correct. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, what maybe I'll talk about if, if you're okay with, you know, the, some of the difficulties we're seeing and, sure. and, and then some, you know, science for hope, but I think, uh, you know, the, the most important thing for people to understand is that there was um, a lot of unrealized learning and uh, it's probably a little worse even than it's been in the newspaper. One of the things we found, I think we discussed before was kids who are taking our assessment in school for those places that were having hybrid school or not um, had very different results than at home. And then we had a ton of evidence that for all reasons that we understand parents wanting to do best for their kids, Right. Parents were helping, particularly K2, um, because they're little lovely kindergartners saying, mom, can you help me with this question? And of course, mom wants to help our dad. And um, and then we didn't see that as much in third through fifth grade. And then in sixth through eighth grade, we had evidence that, you know, of course, like all middle schoolers we were, they were helping each other and during the assessment. And, you know, we, we really tried hard to communicate. Like, this is like an eye test. We're using the to trying to figure out where you stand so we can adjust our content for your individual child and so you, you would never help a kid with an eye test no you, you can see you yeah, can right. see that right that's <laughs> an s it's an s <laughs> exactly right. so uh but you know we didn't see that there's a very strong evidence of that if you want you can publish it on our website and um of, of the differences and then and so some you know our organization i think was the only one at least in the first uh you know few months here and in, in this year and certainly last year to distinguish between whether you took it at home or whether you took it in school. Gotcha. The difference is, and so when people, there are a couple of things out there like, well, maybe it's not as bad as you think or whatever. When you take out, you know, as we did, we have millions of piece, uh, students of data. When you separate and you just say, let's look in school, uh, you know, it is, it was a pronounced uh, difference. And again, I, I don't want to misquote the numbers, but not have yeah. it in front of me, but you're, you're talking about, you know, when you'd expect, 35 or 40% of the kids to be on grade level in the beginning of the year, you're seeing, you know, grade level being defined as the middle of fourth grade, middle of fifth grade, you know, when you're on grade level. Um, and then you'd, you'd see, you know, only 30% of the kids on grade level. So a 10 point difference. And then it, uh, and again, unfortunately, as, as happens, we had uh, uh, differences between, you know, black and brown kids, white kids, poor yep. kids, well-to-do yep. kids. And uh, those differences were uh, became more pronounced. It was more difficult. So, anyway, it's a real issue, and uh, we all, as an industry and, and uh, as educators, as citizens, uh, need to work hard to to make up for that uh, for that learning loss and, and not pretend it didn't happen. Right. Um, but get engaged in uh, a rigorous approach. Uh, make sure grade level content can get to kids. Um, and, and actually just not giving up and saying, look, like kids can handle the rigor, kids can catch up, we can do it. Uh, and, uh, I think that's what we all need to focus on. So it's a real problem, but, um, you know, there's lots to do. And I think there were innovations that occurred in our company and others that, 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 that made it. So kind of new tools, new productivity things, um, allowing for more hybrid learning that you might not have had in different ways that, that will, will stay. That includes on the professional development side. Yeah. So one of the. I don't know, silver linings, whatever the phrase you want to use, but there is a real 
recognition of the these issues where i think before the pandemic it was kind of theoretical or esoteric totally. to talk about that and now it's like man it's it's, it's right in our faces uh and the, the recognition is there and now it seems that um the money's going to be there right yeah. i mean the, the I, yeah, I'd, say, I'd say those two things kevin so the first thing is i think that not enough has been said about how engaged communities and parents are in learning and how difficult it is. I mean, there's nothing like sending 54 million children to homeschool for a year, which is more or less what happened a year and a half yeah. uh, to, to regain respect for the profession of teaching. Yeah. Right. You know, before I don't know why these teachers don't, they're like, Oh my God, this is hard. Right. <laughs> right. right. So there, there, I, right. I have seen that the gain of respect, how difficult it is. It's not just as easy as everybody yeah yeah and um and, and the, the respect for the profession and also that that you know as a person who uh leads an organization that creates online learning and print learning but um it's not good enough not to have a great teacher like you have to have great teachers these things are tools um those tools are important but this you know throw the kid down the hallway to get on the computer is uh it's not going to work uh, none of us who lead at tech firms ever thought that. So, so, um, uh, you know, we, we have a job to do right now to make teachers more productive. Uh, and I think that's understood. And as you say, with the, with the money comment, I, you know, that, the you know, we, we have seen the difference and it, it used to be, um, that these schools wanted to resource that they, you know, whether the right people have it with the right procedures or whatever, but that they now have more resources, whether you, can argue they should have more even but than they do but it, it's significantly more i mean you're yeah. talking about what could be a 20 to 30 percent increase in k-12 education in a year uh and depending on the, the state taxes and uh and you know question now is how are people using that uh are they ready to use it wisely are they you know and and will that lead to uh to the gains we all need and uh and things we all need for children talk a little bit about another phrase that was always to me anyway just kind of esoteric or theoretical what's you know personalized learning and learning differentiation i know it wasn't theoretical to you but for me i hear it in conversation like, mm. um yeah is there an opportunity for that to become more of a reality now after this experience of kind of the individualized learning techniques used in a, in a remote setup once we go back into the class yeah, i just i think i think as you say that means a lot of different things a lot of people right like look there are there are a lot of things that have to go on, right? With to help the learner. The first of all is is a a teacher needs an outstanding curriculum. The delivery of that curriculum is always going to include, if it's great, something that an individual child can do, whether that is instruction or practice or homework or something, you know, uh, leveled, but um, for a moment, they actually have to give grade level instruction to every student. And not just say, well, you know, just because you're two grades behind, I'm not going to expose you to that. Rigor matters. Kids who have higher uh, expectations for rigor, teachers who have higher expectations for rigor, that works. They need grade level instruction. They need productivity tools to automatically generate parent reports, to give them data without having them to manually check everything. They need to separate kids into small group instruction. They need in math, manipulatives, things that could, those could be digital or physical where you're, you're using blocks and other things. Again, that could be on the screen, soon it'll be virtual reality. It could be blocks of uh, you know, 
building blocks of first grade. Um, so there's a, a ton of tools that need, and, and personalization is just one of those, but a very efficacious one, as is whole group instruction. Uh, and um, uh, we have to build all those things um, and, and really focus more than ever before yeah. on saving, saving educators time. Yeah. Just, they have no time. You know, as, as an example of something we developed, we, we realized, you know, I'm, I'm a, a teacher's about to teach a standard in, in one of our books. And the kid basically is, you know, didn't have some of those things in fourth grade and then out in fifth grade. And we created using iReady, we, we created a report to say like, well, we can tell you the prerequisite standards uh, that a child needs, every child and groups of children, and if you want to group them, um, to be ready for this exact lesson. So that's an example of a productivity tool. So instead of saying, I just got to go back and teach in fourth grade, you can say today, before this lesson, I have to start with this content to get them ready for the grade level content. And so that's this kind of thing. Uh, that we think will be helpful. So it's 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 more um, advanced meta content for the instructor uh, in order to give them a more efficient pathway to to. to yeah, that, that's just one example, Kevin. But it's it's literally anything to save them time. Yeah, you know, a thing that's less sophisticated. You know, we we used to have it where you um, you clicked on the student's name, you had a report, you could make a parent report. That's super helpful. They need batch printing. I don't. I need to click a button and have every kit. It's yeah. No, that's not that interesting of a technology. It turns out it's a little harder than you think. But batch printing saves them time for instruction. That matters. It's not the sexiest educational thing this company's ever produced. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know it matters. Yeah yeah. Uh, along those lines, um, you know, assessment kind of. That falls into that arena as well, right? I mean, in terms yeah. of doing grades and things like that. Have there been any uh, advancements uh, that you've seen or innovation when it comes to uh, assessment? I mean, you mentioned earlier about some of the uh, the, the problems involving is assessing yeah. students remotely. Uh, any innovations on that front? Yeah, there have been some, you know, that the, all the technology is getting better and so forth. The, the, the thing, the um, I'm still having hopes for, but it's not quite there yet to uh, when, when learners want to do something oral and speak into a microphone, uh, that technology is still not as strong as we want because of ambient noise and other things. So it feels really good when you're talking to your Siri and so forth, but when you're actually trying to figure out whether a child knows the pronunciation of something, it's still a little bit off. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, but um uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the, the, I would say that those advancements have been in line with the normal progress you see with technology, so so haven't advanced as, uh, as much as, uh, as maybe the industry would like. I, I do think one thing coming is, um, you, you know, some of these uh, virtual reality and uh, other things happening where, you know, I've been experiencing um, uh, different uh, innovations where I see, you know, a child can move their hands in a virtual setting grab a cube, um, put a string around a cube so they can visualize, you know, the, this, or with a, with a sphere, like the circumference of a sphere, right. You know, using your own hands, like, you know, so that's kind of cool. Um, it's not ready yet for content, but, but, uh, but I think those kinds of things are coming and that will, that will make a meaningfully difference to engage kids and get the, them to conceptualize math and other things. So, 
um, or give more choice and agency to the student, you know, so a child who's engaged in a passage who could be in a visual experience of, you know, say they're reading about a Roman something or other, they could have a reality of being in Rome while they're reading it. You know, right. those are things that I think will be highly engaging and you, know, you got to make sure that it's not just too many bells and whistles and kids are still reading and things like that. But sure. The, the, the last thing I would say is, you know, there, there has been a lot of um, improvement in the eye movement stuff just with, you know, when we're in, we only do it in labs and with the approval of parents, but when you have the, that movement, you can, you can actually see kids get disengaged because they're wandering around or not, and they're not quite reading the passage. So we had some problems early on with some passages where we thought there were outstanding passages and we couldn't get the key kids to read them because they're, they're used to reading on the phone or something. And what we would do is we would, they would try to read ahead, look at a picture and answer the question. Okay. And um, we did some game-based things. We actually, every once in a while, we would make a word skip or just have a blank word and they'd have to fill it in and they try to figure it out right away. And what they're really doing was reading the text very hard <laughs> to fill in the word. So it was a, right. a trick, but, right. but uh, you know, there, there are things like that where the technology is improving engagement uh, and in this case, testing technology. Now, I don't mean assessment testing technology, but like uh, focus group testing. Yeah. Now, do you feel that um, this distribution of devices to as many students as, as possible. I know there are some millions without them uh, and many districts without uh, proper access, but for the ones that have it, and then hopefully the ones who will be getting it, um, can we stop talking about whether or not students should have their own devices? Yeah, I, well, I, I think, it's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have been struck and I, you know, I'm on both sides of the aisle arguing things to my own congressman here where in where I am in uh, in Bill Ricca and others the and senators uh, you know we, it would have cost 6.6 .6 billion dollars to every to get every kid on free and reduced lunch in America a Chromebook 6.6 .6 billion dollars now we we found PPE loans for private wealth management firms we you know several trillion dollars and you know, I, I still think when I look back at, you know, thing it should have been different is getting devices. You know, if we, if we did bought the devices and then we had some program where you had a voucher to, to get wireless access, like wireless access kid card that you could use at Verizon or Comcast or something. Yeah. We could have gotten all kids access yeah. last year. Yeah. You know, and so we just, uh, I think we missed the boat there. It is true. It's getting better. Um, there are more devices out there and so forth. But, you know, in, uh, in a study we did, um uh last year we we, we um 93 of the kids this is now this is a year ago but 93 of the kids in um zip codes over 100,000 were using our our software iReady and 51 of the kids in zip codes under 50,000 were using iReady it's just devices and uh the interesting thing in my state uh massachusetts um if you've got access, the kids in the lowest income zip codes used it 30% more than the rich kids. Really? So, so the thing is, it, it, if they had it, they used it more than anybody, which, which breaks your heart. Right, right. Uh, that they didn't have access. So uh, right. it is true, more devices got out there, it's getting better, there's some bin device things, but it's still not, uh, you know, get the, the single act, every kid has a device, on free and reduced lunch in America, because the other kids mostly do. And every kid on free and reduced lunch in America should have 
uh, not not only a Chromebook or whatever. I'm not trying to plug any particular brand. Sure. And uh, and should have wireless access. It's simple. It's doable. It's just a matter of leadership. Right. Uh, of both the government side as well as private industry. Right. I mean, I just spoke with yeah. folks at AT and T. Uh, yeah. And they've they've promised four billion over the next three years to yeah. subsidize their, well, their access. Yeah. That's a first step, right? Yeah. Um, and the modifications to the E-rate program um, seem legitimate, and if can get yeah. through, is there? Yeah. Um, what's your? Let me. I'll finish up here. I know the toughest part of this conversation would be uh, ending it, but um, give me a best case. Uh, give me a best case scenario uh, in, in terms of a time frame where you see. I mean, you think we already missed the boat because it just it didn't happen in the past eight well, no, years. You, know, you know, things happen in the world where we we. Um, uh, I I think. Can we get it done in eighteen months? Um, you know, I'm not going to say I, I can't. I'm not. You know, I I, I think well that the best case scenario that I will say the thing that I'm most heartened by is that the. The, what you saw, the amount of giving to education, the, um, the political will to want to do something different than the way we've done is as high as I've seen. Yeah. There's a whole lot of curriculum politics about what to teach and so forth that are right. pretty significant. But, um, but I, you know, I think that's there and I think that's going to last a long time because people realize we, you know, we, boy, this matters to get kids to school. It yeah. really matters. Mental yeah. health, nutrition, learning it wasn't just you know whether the child knows the main idea of the passage right 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 well rob once again always an engaging conversation with uh, uh lots of uh insights and um positivity <laughs> I, wow. I, i'm feeling good i think um you know as, as the light keeps appearing here at the at the end of, end of the tunnel as you said a lot of challenges but uh no reason why we can't um overcome them well, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Kevin, for having me on. Great. Thanks. And thanks, everybody, for watching. I hope you click around and find another episode soon.